Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 21. <coughs> Looking at the public disputes of the Lord, crises and causes. Causes for Israel's withering as the fig tree. I looked at a parable about responsibility, obedience and its reward in the, in the two sons. And then we looked, began to look at the parable of retribution, their obstinance and the results of that. In verse 30, 32, or 23 really, and right through to the end of the chapter. And there was a householder in verse 33, planted the vineyard, remember that? We looked at these thoughts last time. <clears throat> the Lord and his vineyard, the householder, the vineyard was planted, protected and provisioned. So that was the household and what he did. The Lord planted this world. He placed a people upon it. He selected Abraham that his descendants would spread the good news of himself to the world. And uh, they were the husbandmen. They were the husbandmen that were to do that, taking that position that God had given them and spread the news. But what did they do? Well, the householder sent the servants, as we read in those verses following 33, and uh, treated them shamefully. And at last he sent his son in verse 37, and they reverence my son. And there's no mistaking who this is talking about. As you look at it, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent to the nation of Israel. And they said, let's kill him. And that they did. Verse 38. and verse 39, they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And he with, it's all <laughs> so relevant. He suffered without the camp. Outside the walls of Jerusalem is where they crucified him. Uh, so they treated the Lord's servants shamefully, the first and second group, then how they treated the Lord's son. And that's what we'll finish and then move on into the vengeance <clears throat> that the Lord brought upon them. So it's the Lord's vineyard and the Lord's vengeance. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for these parables that are so full of meaning. And, Lord, the application is unmistakable of what you meant when you said to these people these things. Lord, we need to be careful that we do not do as the church the same as they did as a nation. Take for granted the household and all the work that he puts into making our lives into the vineyard that it is. Fenced it about, planted it and Put a tower, Lord, we've, you've done many things for us. What do we do in return? You laid down your life for us. What have we done in return? Do we lay it down for others? Oh, Lord, I pray that we might think on these things and uh, act appropriately, that we would be charged from heaven above with a ministry below to bring you glory. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So how they treated the Lord's servants, we covered that last time. And how they treated the Lord's son, we touched on that. <coughs> now 
None of the previous servants that were sent came anywhere near the calibre and the character of the son that was sent. He knew the vineyard. He knew the people. He knew the situation. He knew the uh, production of the vineyard and that which he should have received from these husbandmen, but they didn't send it to him. He he knew all these things. And uh, let's consider the calibre of the son that was sent for a moment. Turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. Hebrews 3 and verse 3. <coughs> and in, in this we're looking at the comparison to the, to the servants that were sent. We're looking at the son that was sent. So the comparison, Hebrews 3 and verse 3 through to 6. We read there, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, and inasmuch as he who had built the house has more honour than the house. So here he's compared with whom? Moses. Now Moses is a very important figure. The Jews reverenced Moses and his, his writings that we have in the, in the Bible that they had. And this man is kind of war worthy of more glory because if we read on, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful, in verse 5, in all his house as a servant. A testimony we read this last time but Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are and so <clears throat> the Lord is Lord over this house that we are the house of the Lord that's why we call it that it's, it's likened to that Moses was faithful but the Lord ministered a better ministry has a as it were a better household the household of faith that we belong to and so he's compared with Moses John the Baptist, and we briefly mentioned these quickly. What did John the Baptist think as he compared himself as a servant with the son? Wasn't worthy to tie his shoe latchets. Remember that? I'm not worthy to loose his shoe latchets. That's how John felt. Uh, what about Peter? Peter, a servant of the Lord that was sent. How did he compare himself with the son? <laughs> At the end of his ministry, when the Lord Jesus was crucified, he betrayed him three times. He said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a wicked man. And that's what he thought. That these people humbled themselves before the Lord. What about Paul, the servant of the Lord, as compared with the son? <laughs> what did he think of himself? He called himself the chiefest of sinners, didn't he? Um, <clears throat> what about one of the Old Testament chaps? Let's pick on Elijah, because he's easier to pick on than some of the others. <laughs> Elijah, when he'd beat Ahab and the rain came and he'd slew all the prophets, he took off and he was in a, in a cave. <laughs> The Lord found him in a cave. The Lord knew where he was all the time, but he fled there from the face of Jezebel, threatened by the lady there, the queen, <laughs> wicked queen. And he was in a cave in despair and utterly depressed as different things passed by. Was the Lord in this? Was the Lord in that? And so what about us? How do we compare as servants of the Lord with the Son? Well, we fall far short, but don't be disappointed. The Lord can still use us, huh? This is the owner's son that came 
And we, let's always remember, he is the son, the eternal son of God. Um, <clears throat> the Jews killed their king and they cried out, his blood be upon us and our children. And that it has been. And they cried out, we have no king but Caesar. When Pilate would release him, they cried out, he, <clears throat> we have no king but Caesar. Well, we'll let you have Caesar and see what he'll do. And we, see, we saw what he, he did <laughs> as the, the Romans came in and scattered the Jews in 70 AD. Only 35 years later, or thereabouts, they scattered them to the four winds of the, the earth. <laughs> what about mankind? The Jews killed their king, but mankind, what did they do? They killed their creator. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, John 1.10. And then it said, but as many as received him, but many in that day, the Romans killed their creator. It's like, it's like uh, man creating robots and them taking over the world. don't believe they will, but <laughs> artificial intelligence, which is increasing leaps and bounds these days. And it is controlling. You get annoyed when you talk to a computer, don't you? Don't you? It's got a voice like a human <laughs> and you talk to them on the phone and they give you these answers and that, particularly when they won't give you the answer you're looking for. <laughs> Just let me talk to a person, please. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> here's the creatures killing the creator. Had, have we heard of such a thing? First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 speak, speaks of this. <clears throat> there is First John, I mean, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 10, but here in 1 Corinthians also, and chapter 2, verse 8, <clears throat> which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> this is mankind in general. Um, over in, in, back in Hebrews, where we were in chapter 2, and those verses around the one we read, verse, uh, Hebrews 2, verse 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come of which we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Why even would the son visit <laughs> the vineyard to collect his Jews? Of course, as we read in the parable, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honour, and did set him over the works of the hands. We have a great privilege. We've been given great responsibility too, to take care of what God has created. Made a little lower than the angels. A little, <laughs> in time we will judge angels. But we've been made a little lower than angels. And you've been crowned. we've been crowned with glory and honour. You know, you're made in the image of God. We each one are. We have great pri privileges. And that comes... With it, responsibility. Thou hast put all things under the subjection to his feet, in that he put all things in subjection to him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. He became man for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And he is a son that through death has been crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And so, <clears throat> praise the Lord for what he has done for us and what they did, what we have done, Jews and Gentiles, killing their king and killing the creator. It's treachery. It's treason. 
It's diabolical, really. And then we see the reaction. Go back to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 40. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto these? These husbandmen, these people that have been given this opportunity to live and to believe and to minister the vineyard for the son, for the owner, the father of the vineyard. Well, we see the Lord and his vengeance here. The appeal in verse 40 and 41. What is this appeal? The question was asked. What, therefore, will the Lord do? The owner of the vineyard when he cometh to these. Now, the Lord put these religious leaders in, on a spot to judge themselves. He got them so tied up in the story about the vineyard and this and that, and they were all ears listening to this, and they were, he got them thinking, <laughs> just like he wanted them to. They are so wrapped up in what he was saying, so stirred by the parable that was given. What did they say? They say unto him, verse 41, you see the question answered, the question was asked and now it's answered. They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. He will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen who shall render to him the fruits of the season. Oh, wow. And I think as soon as they said it, they oh, we just passed judgment on ourselves. We just condemned ourselves. We just said we should be miserably destroyed. These are we just said we're miserable men. We ought to be destroyed. That's what they did. But the Lord got them so tied up, so enamoured by the truth of the parable that they, they blurted that out without thinking. But that's the truth, isn't it? That's the truth. And that they were miserably destroyed, not utterly. There's a, there's a remnant being left, hasn't there? But what did they also say that they didn't realise? They're almost prophesying in that verse, verse 41. <clears throat> in the middle of it, he will let his vineyard out to other husbandmen. Has God let the vineyard, the world, contents of it out to other husbandmen? The Gentiles, to the church, to us. And we're 2,000 years removed from this point. Almost 2,000 years in 2030-something, 33. We'll be 2,000 years up, but we've been given. I know the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, but prophecy also tells us in the epistles, Paul said it many times, that at the end, and, and, and John in Revelation said at the end, the church would go what? All sorts of compromise, all sorts of problems. Wickedness would prevail. It tells us in the scripture. You read Second Timothy chapter three. You read Second Timothy chapter four, and you you read uh, Revelation chapter three, where the later see in church a picture of the last church before the Lord comes, and the Lord's outside. The Lord's outside of the church, knocking. Can I come in to my church? That, that's the picture we use it of salvation. The Lord knocking on our heart's door, but that's the application. The interpretation is that. The Lord's outside of the churches. He's not inside where he needs to be, empowering the church to do the service. And, oh, we need to be careful that we don't try to do God's work in our strength. We need to do God's work in his strength. With, he, he can do a far better job. Ours is a work of the flesh. 
Let's not lock the husbandman out and be given, it's been given to another. Yes, it has. Caught up in the spirit of the story, they said he will. <laughs> Those wretched people, he'll put them out. <laughs> That's what they called themselves. The appeal and the application, yes, I didn't, shouldn't jump ahead into it, but Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? He'd cornered them good and proper this time. Remember, we were spotlighting one day up in the corner of the farm where it joined onto the bush. And um, this fox was, um, we cornered the fox. We didn't have a gun. We just had Psyche. That was the dog, a black and white dog. He was called Psyche. Why do you think? bit psycho <laughs> he was really crazy I mean he was a lovely dog for us kids but anyone come don't get out of your car door <laughs> and he went in battle with the fox but when that fox realised it was cornered in the corner fence had no hole to get out and wasn't able to jump over you know what the fox did he turned and attacked <laughs> he wasn't going to be cornered and this is where these people were at they'd been cornered the lord had put them there and then they <clears throat> and he and he was really laying it heavily upon them the application of this because they had said it already themselves and what did he do the application there's a solemn revelation here first of all he appealed to the scriptures didn't he and he, he appealed to psalm 118 verse 22 to 23 <clears throat> As they had pronounced judgment on, on themselves, he said, yes, you're right. And this is the verse. The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvellous in our eyes. That was written hundreds of years ago and now he was applying it. It's happening right here and now. You're rejecting the cornerstone. You are rejecting the Messiah. You are rejecting me, is what Jesus was saying right to them. So the Lord drove home as they were cornered there the truth by quoting Psalm 118, 22 and 23. They would like a militant Messiah, a kingdom on their terms. But in their blindness, they were rejecting the cornerstone of the kingdom. So from the scriptures, the Lord applied this truth. And from the Saviour himself, in verse 43, Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Now he's getting very personal. He said you. <laughs> from you. And given to a nation bringing forth the fruits of it. Justice would be brought forth. <laughs> Justice would happen. Right here and now, they did what this verse says. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 8. It's not only mentioned in Psalm 118, 22 and 23, but Isaiah, Old Testament, major prophet, chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> and we read about the stumbling stone, verse 14. <clears throat> and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offence to both the house of Israel and a trap for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken. It doesn't say all, but many among them shall stumble, and that's what happened. Be broken and snared and be taken, <coughs> because they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Let's go to the New Testament in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, an epistle, Paul speaking. Chapter 9, <coughs> excuse me, verse 32. <clears throat> Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And John was talking of this the other day when he ministered. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. On him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the references. And there's another one in 1 Corinthians 1.23 that reads, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, unto the, unto the Greeks foolishness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, A stone of stumbling, a rock of offence, even to them who stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they also were appointed. And so from the scriptures and from the Saviour and from other scriptures we see this. The Jews lost their political ascendancy and governorship when Nebuchadnezzar came and captured Judah and Benjamin, took them into captivity. This political ascendancy over the nations will come back another time when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled or have run their course, Luke 21, 24. And you know what? The times of the Gentiles uh, are going to be over real soon. Could be within 10 years. It might be longer. But the way it's going, the, the Gentiles are losing control. We've filled the world with people. There's nations all around the world. There's hardly a place that's not been explored. We've built cities. The population has exploded, hasn't it? And it's going, going gangbusters, gang, 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 thank you, gangbusters, thank you, in, in people being born. The Bible said that would happen. Hmm. We've, we've done what the Lord has said, but we're going to lose the political ascendancy. The Jews are going to take it back. This is the Lord's doing and will be marvellous in our eyes, but not in the time of the church, in a time in the future. You say, well, I don't want Jews ruling over me. Well, if you're a Christian, you better get used to it. Well, actually, we'll be ruling and reigning with them, so don't worry. <laughs> get saved today and be part of God's plan and purpose. We have a particular blessed place as church, bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> But they lost their spiritual ascendancy when they rejected and crucified the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they will also get that back in the future too. They will be the, pol the political and the religious leaders of the new world order, the millennium. And uh, the world's trying to get a new world order together. It's totally going to fail. And it totally end in war and destruction unless those days be shortened we'll destroy the whole place <laughs> the church has been given presently spiritually the job of getting the 
getting the message out of, the, of God, of the Lord, of what he has done for, for us. In, Luke, in Romans 11.25 it reads, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye be wise in your own conceits. He's talking to Roman, Romans, that's Romans, to Gentiles, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So it's when the times of the Gentiles are complete that the Jews will get back their political ascendancy. It's the fullness of the Gentiles are complete that the Jews will get their spiritual position back and, and govern the then world that will be in place then. But <clears throat> we go back here. We could say the church is only a parenthesis. <laughs> the tasks will again be given to them. Let's go to some Old Testament passages that tell us very clearly and tell the Jews this. And, and they know these passages. <laughs> go to Jeremiah chapter 31. The task will be given again to repentant Israel. What's in Jeremiah 31? We go there enough to, we should sort of remember. <laughs> what you need to do is study it for yourself. Then you'll remember. If I study it for you, I'm, I'm willing to do that. But you tend not to remember, don't you? Until you've looked it up for yourself. Uh, study it out. As I, uh, Jeremiah 31 is the new covenant. T speaking to Israel in verse 31. There he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. You know, when the church is finished, this is what will happen. And with the house of Judah. Israel and Judah, that's the, 12, the whole 12 tribes, 10 and 2. Make 12, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers and I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. That's the Mosaic covenant that he made with them, the Ten Commandments, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts. Spiritually got right with God <laughs> and write, write it in their hearts and will be their God and they will be my people. And they shall no more teach every man his neighbour and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. All of them that come into the millennium will be saved Jews. <clears throat> they will know the Lord. And uh, say, say, thus saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, I will remember their sins no more. Thus saith the Lord, who giveth the sun by light, and you can read on there the verification of that covenant. It will happen. Uh, <clears throat> in chapter 33 in verses 6 and 8 of Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 6 and 8 reads behold I will bring it health and cure I will cure them and I will re reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth and I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel that's two and ten tribes the whole twelve of them to return and all build them as at the first, when he built them as a nation, down in Egypt and then on into the promised land, he will build them again, and I will. Yeah, notice this, I will. Who's, who's doing this? God, I will, I will. It's one, two, three, six times this in three verses here. And I'll bring the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and build them. I will cleanse them from their iniquity and by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon their iniquities in, in which they have sinned, and, and in which they have transgressed against me. God's going to do this for them. Right now, it doesn't look like a hope in the world that it'll happen, but it will happen. 
And that's what we labor toward, that God would bring this to pass. Um, <clears throat> let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah, second last book of the Old Testament there, in Zechariah 14 and verse 9. <coughs> the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. There shall be one Lord and his name one. I should have said to keep your hand in <laughs> Jeremiah too. In Jeremiah 23, see, the Lord will be king. They'll have a new king. There'll be a new nation. There'll be a new covenant. And uh, this new king, the Lord, they will accept this time round. They won't stumble again at the stumbling stone. They will take him as their king. And there in Jeremiah 23 and in Zechariah 14.9 that we read, we read there in Jeremiah in verse 4 of 23, I will set up shepherds over them who shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute justice, judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. What do you find continually? When God's making these promises about a king, about a land, about their ascendancy back to their position, uh, when they've stopped stumbling and they believe on the Lord Jesus, we find Judah and, and, and Israel. Judah and Israel. Judah and Israel. Combined 12 tribes. They're not lost 12 tribes. Uh, Herbert W. Armstrong got it all wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I hear a bit about him, or I think it's his son now, about that movement. I thought it all died out, but it seems to be still kicking. Oh, kicking along that they, they, they uh, England's a, and uh, the West is part of the lost ten tribes so we're in Jews are out <laughs> no not what the Bible says um, you might have lost your identity as a Jew but you can easily find that can't you with the computers these days and see if you are or have got that heritage you might be surprised <laughs> if you look back there and, and find out and to be a blessing but um, the greater blessing is to know the Lord Jesus as your saviour, isn't it? And so <clears throat> one person said, it doesn't say anywhere that Jesus will be king. And it, when, when this is, oh, 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 you say, I'm in an hour. No. Of course it does, somewhere. <laughs> you, you know. And, you, and <clears throat> when they'd said that to me, i just read this one in, in, in Jeremiah. And I thought, I went right to it and I said, I read it. I said, who's it talking about? It's talking about the Lord Jesus. There's no mistaking that. And he's going to be king. When? Well, it's not king of the church. He's lord of the church. In a sense, he is king. But this is speaking about a future day with Israel. There's going to be not only a new king, a new nation, a new covenant, <clears throat> a new respect for Israel. In, we won't turn that one. It's in Zechariah 8.22. But a new creation as well. As the Lord renews it, <clears throat> refreshes it, regeneration, it talks about that in the Gospels and Romans. <clears throat> this new nation cannot be the church, for the church is not a nation. It transcends nations. <clears throat> now, let's go to 1 Peter 2.9, because I know this is where they'll take you to if you tell them that uh, the church is not a nation. Because here it's used in a generic sense of the church first peter 
chapter 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> There's two places it's used like this, Romans 10, 19 and 1 Peter 2, verse 9, where we read, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It is speaking of the church here. We, but Israel's never called a royal priesthood. They had a priesthood, but they're not all royal priesthood. They're not all priests. There was the tribe that was particularly in that job, the tribe of Levi, that were given the priesthood. They were <clears throat> given that particularly, but not all of them. But the church is a royal priesthood. All of us, we're priests, believer priests of Christ. You read that in the scriptures. <clears throat> And we can go personally into the presence of the Lord where the Jews couldn't in the respect to like the high priest had to go in once a year for the sins of the people. But now Jesus has died. We go right into the veil has been opened and we have access to the Holy of Holies, as it tells us in Scripture. So <clears throat> this new nation back in Matthew and there in 1 Peter 2.9 and Romans 10.19 and I looked up that word and what the word means, and it's used generically of the church, the whole group, all of those in the church. Let's go back and look at the judgment that's going to be brought forth upon these rebellious Jews that crucified the son of the householder. <clears throat> it's been taken from them, the ministry of the Lord to the world, given to a nation, as we mentioned, bringing forth the fruits of it, the church, the holy priesthood, the bride of Christ, the body, the building. And verse 44, And whosoever shall fall on this stone, that one that the Jews stumbled at, shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. The severe judgment mentioned here, isn't there? Before judgment, there's mercy. Have you fallen on the stone? Have you been broken? What does the Lord Jesus say? Well, what does the word of God say back in the Old Testament? <clears throat> a broken and a contrite spirit, Lord, thou wilt not despise. If we come broken before the Lord, saying, Lord, I cannot save myself. I fall before you and believe that Jesus died for my sins and can save my soul only. That's when we're born again. That's when we're saved, become his children. Have you been broken by the Lord? Have you realized your terrible position? Heading to hell on the broad road that leads to destruction. And just down the road is a precipice that everyone just walking over. Like sheep following the sheep in front, they, the sheep drops off the cliff and the next one goes, see that, <coughs> that car this week where somewhere there was a big hole opened up, or what did it go, sinkhole? Yeah. And the fellow went right into it. <coughs> over the edge. The car was down in. He, he survived. He, he, he skidded, they said. He skidded before he went over. He saw it. It would be a bit frightening at night time, wouldn't it? Remember when they just put the new freeway between here and Wodonga? No lights there on that bit between Wodonga and Aubrey and uh, uh, a camper van or something and rolled over and it had its underside facing the freeway 
and people were coming down there not realising, not even thinking there's something right across the road and whamming into it. And <clears throat> at 110, just over the bridges there. But when the, when the road's out and things like that, and it, you know, <clears throat> praise God that he warns us that uh, you know, we're going to drop off into eternity without even knowing the Lord Jesus. What a, what a thing to do. But praise God, we can be broken before that and be saved and realize there's, a, there's danger. And it says here, and diversion, <laughs> diversion. The Lord Jesus, a straight and narrow road, it says. There's a sign. And we, we come across that somewhere in our life and we've trusted the Lord. But <clears throat> on whomsoever this stone falls, this one that fell on the Pharisees, this one, the Lord Jesus, that falls on all unsaved, unre people that have not turned to the Lord, it, this is what grinds them to powder. And when the chief priest, notice this, there's a swift reaction. A swift reaction. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke of them. <clears throat> they got that right. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. So the leader's concern is shown in verse 45 and the leader's caution there. They would like to rush in and grab him right now. But it wasn't quite the day, not quite the hour. And they backed off a bit. What have you done with the Lord Jesus? We've seen what the Jews did. We've seen the punishment of 2,000 years. We've seen the grinding to powder for those 2,000 years. If you read, uh, I think it was in the Herald of Hope recently, about the d different places the Jews have been scattered to. It was, uh, I think it might have been the last one, last issue. And uh, how they've been scattered all over the world. <laughs> and wherever they've been, you know what's happened? They've risen to prominence. They've risen to prominence. And when they get to that position, what do the Gentiles do? Grind them back to powder. Because they don't like them. But they haven't lost their identity. All down through Africa, up into Russia, over into Pakistan. Been, they're in all these places. And, and a lot of them probably don't even know who they are, but they've kept their identity. That's the thing. And they've kept that, that belief in one God. And praise God, he's going to turn them one day. And he's going to bring them all home. A lot of them, almost 7 million are back home. But they say there's twice as many as that outside. And bring them home. But in the meantime, they've been ground back by Gentiles over and over again. It seems that it's said, it's true too. If the Jews are copping it, Christians, you're next. And that happens over and over again in nations. The Jewish people cop it first and then the Christians cop it from the unbelieving Gentiles. And I pray that the Lord comes before it happens again in different places. Will you not come to him tonight? If you haven't come already, for those listening, I know that other people listen on podcasts and things like that. Come to the Lord while it is still time. Fall upon him and be broken. Be broken because of your sin and your rejection and your disobedience of the Lord and trust him. It'd be worth it all, won't it? It'd be worth it all. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this parable. So true, so pertinent, so full of meaning. 
for Jew and Gentile. Lord, thank you that we have become part of your church, the body building and bride of Christ, through faith in the Lord Jesus. And may we here and those listening come to believe on him. And Lord, what a release, a release and a relief from the burden of sin that so burdened us through our life. And we have the liberty and life given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless that soul that comes tonight with salvation. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.